What's up everybody? Max Dean is football. And I am Max Dean, aka the most tiredest dad in all of YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And today I'm going to do a little bit of a shorter video, I think. Uh, I want to talk about contextualizing analytics in the world of football. So uh, just a quick insight into what that is. I, I want to talk about the idea of the hit rate percentage on drafting players like quarterbacks and uh, when it's a good idea to do this, when it's a poor idea to do that. And what, what that really means in in, in football terms um, and how we can use analytics to best uh, kind of help us along in that path. So real quick, before I jump into all of that, um, I am currently working on my deep dive series. So I'm going to do a show on every single team in the entire league. That's the idea. That's the plan. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm going to talk about for every single one, uh, uh, draft pick usage, um, salary cap, uh, allotment, um, I'm going to talk about their rosters, uh, strengths and weaknesses, um, where they are as a franchise, what the coaching staff is looking like, what the uh, GM situation looks like, where they are in kind of the life cycle of their franchise, of their roster. I'm going to do everything, you know. Um, I'm putting together right now all the numbers for all of the draft picks. So, like, just for example, I'm putting together all of the numbers um so let's say, I think I might do the Steelers first. So um, in Kevin Colbert's time as GM since, and I'm just going back to 2011, um, what percentage of first round picks has he used on quarterback, defensive line, offensive line, um, skill positions, then premium picks used on all of those. So uh, picks one through three, then entire drafts, how many picks per draft, how many premium picks per draft, everything like that. Like I'm putting together all of the numbers for all of those teams right now. And I'm doing all the teams first so that I can stack them up against each other. So I'll be able to tell you, is Kevin Colbert the uh, number one GM in in the percentage of top three round picks used in defensive backs or something like that? Like I'm putting together all of that for you right now. Um, so... If you're excited about that, uh, keep uh, tuned to the channel. I did something kind of like that last year. I'm kind of retooling it a little bit, and I'm going to try and actually get to every team this year. So um, I can't promise I'll get to every team. I'm going to do my best. And if you have a team you really want me to do it for, uh, then get at me on Twitter. Hit me up in the comments section. Let me know, right? So um, if you push for it, I'll push your team up. Um because I, I can't absolutely guarantee I'll do every team. Uh, but that being said, that's what's coming in the future. I'm putting together all the numbers and stuff for that now. But I wanted to do a shorter video uh, this week. not One, not to have nothing come out. But also, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. So, you know, in, in a couple of weeks since the draft, there's been conversations about what teams uh, did well and what did they did poorly, right? And And people who purely follow the draft, guys who are diehard uh, uh, 
evaluators. Um, they feel that some teams did better than others. Uh, and then the analytic community, they feel differently to some degree about which teams um, did the best job. And uh, process is something that team that, that these guys are talking about. Is it good process? Is it bad process? Obviously, a lot of the conversation has been centered around um, uh, PFF George and um, his criticisms of how the Jets went about, uh, you know, navigating their draft this year. And so I'm not really here to make an argument per se either way. But what I do think is really important is contextualizing what it means to read off of these analytics without the context of human and football elements here, okay? So, for one thing, anybody who follows this channel at all knows that I do uh, have a lot of interest in the number side of things, okay? I look at a lot of salary cap stuff. I put together numbers on, uh, uh, on you know, availability tendencies, on, you know, uh, resource usage tendencies, stuff like that. So I do have leanings in that, in that direction, but the one thing that we have to keep in mind is the human element in all of this. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So, you know, guys I really like to, to listen to include Jason Fitzgerald at overthecap.com and the over the cap podcast. So he, he's made, uh, intimations at times that or exaggerate at a times that you should be drafting a quarterback um, as frequently as possible if you don't have one and that's kind of the first thing that I, I want to look at um, when we're looking at analytics and their application I think the first thing you have to to admit to yourself is that there are contexts in which one team should do something that another team should not, right? Let's say, for example, the and before don't you don't have to say anything in the comments. No, they would never do this. This team would never do that. It's it's a hypothetical that I'm going to lay out just to make a point or to try and make a point. Let's say the Los Angeles Chargers at the end of training camp they get an offer from a team like. I don't know, just say, for example, the Minnesota Vikings. It doesn't matter which team. It's, it's, it's more about uh, uh, just laying it out there. They get a trade offer for uh, Darwin James. Okay? So Harrison Smith, let's say Harrison Smith gets injured. They've got their young first-round pick um, at safety. They want to bring in Derwin James as a guy to mentor him, so they get their two safeties together. Whatever, it doesn't it doesn't matter about the other stuff. The point is, they ship a first round pick to the Los Angeles Chargers to get uh, Derwin James, maybe plus a little extra. But then during the season, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson get hurt, and uh, they both miss the majority of the season. Okay. The Los Angeles Chargers end up with a third overall pick in 2023. 
would the Los Angeles Chargers use that that third overall pick on a quarterback? No, of course not. Like we all know that they wouldn't do that, right? They have uh, a young quarterback, and let's say the Chargers did really well in their season, right? Like they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs and lost to the Chiefs or whatever. <clears throat> They're a promising team. They're on the rise. They have a young stud quarterback, um, and they don't need another quarterback. So the point of that is just to emphasize that that there are teams who fundamentally have a different situation than others. Okay, If you have your franchise quarterback, your proven franchise quarterback, you do not need to use the third overall pick on another quarterback. So right away, we have to start examining when is it the right time for someone to do something and when is it the wrong time for them to do something? And how far can we extrapolate the idea that just because it's important to revisit the quarterback market uh, for a team in a certain situation versus a team in a totally different situation when it's a complete waste of resources, Okay. Now, let's look at the the human and football element of what we're talking about here. Imagine drafting a quarterback in the top five in two consecutive years. Or let's get even crazier. Let's say, uh, let's say you draft two top ten quarterbacks in the same year. Because you really, you're doubling down on the idea that um, it's a numbers game and you need to take as many swings as, as humanly possible to get that quarterback, okay? So whether it's two in the same year or one in back-to-back years. Now, the one thing I'll say about this before I dive in is, yes, there are definitely situations when you realize you made a bad decision and you shouldn't hang on to that Um you know, like too long. Like you need to cut your losses if you recognize it was a very poor decision, right? So, like, let's say in the example of Cardinals with Josh Rosen and then Kyler Murray, subsequent subsequently the year after, that was a good decision. But they didn't take both and just try and see which one worked out. They realized they made an awful decision with one, and then they tried again. It's not what I'm talking about. If you have two quarterbacks that are basically the same age and the same experience level, same high in the draft investment, um, you are robbing yourself of an opportunity cost um, in in a way that's different and yet similar to a, a team that has that franchise, established franchise quarterback. Now, what I mean by that is Let's say you are, you went to college, you got an, a, 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 a mathematics degree, you're going to work for an analytics firm, okay? So, their plan is, look, um, we, what we want, what we feel is going to help us get ahead is a super genius, and so, what we're going to do is we're going to hire a number of 
people to do the same job, uh, we're not going to give them tools and resources that we would normally give to a single person working that job, but we're going to try and hit on one of those guys being able to do more with less and, and just be so brilliant that we're going to end up being the best analytics firm. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. No, you hire one person who you believe is going to do the job well. You supply them with, uh, with resources and, and you hope for the best. And if they don't do a good job, then you revisit that. Okay. That's what it would be like if you drafted a quarterback in the top five or top 10 or whatever in back-to-back years without being 100% sure that the first one wasn't ever going to be anything good. Imagine you're hired to this analytics firm and when you get there, they say, okay, so um, we've hired two of you guys to do the same job, but only one of you can ever do any research at one time. Okay, so if one of you is doing research, the other one, you can't do research. Instead of buying you, um, instead of making the investment to get you equipment and, you know, um, and, uh, and a technology uh, department, we're just going to pay you both. So you have no technological assistance you don't have computers, and you also can't work at the same time. Is that is that a recipe for either one of them to end up being very good at their job? Probably not. And that's, that's what would happen if you went into an NFL training camp, into an NFL season with two guys that you don't have, you know... Two, two quarterbacks, okay? So there are only so many reps to go around, especially with a first-team offense. Whenever one guy is practicing, the other one fundamentally cannot be. You take as many mental reps as you can, but whatever rep, whatever play is being run with one guy, it's not happening with the other guy. That draft pick that you spent on a quarterback, it's an opportunity cost to get assistance for that other player. It's it's an opportunity cost to get an improved tackle. It's an opportunity cost to get an additional wide receiver. So you're robbing that player of reps. You're robbing him of the opportunity to have more resources at his disposal and it's really the same thing if you if you make this uh, comparison to to these two guys working in this analytics firm right so if you're just going to keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that and hope and hope that eventually you get a guy who's so good that he doesn't need the technological um assistance. He doesn't need the time to do research because it's all in his head and he's just that smart. 
Like it's extremely unlikely that you're ever going to find that person, you know? And if you want to use the same ideology on a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback that you would use on a 10 year veteran quarterback guy who every rep is not necessarily as important where he can do more with less around him because of his experience, his knowledge base, his muscle memory. It's, it it fundamentally doesn't, they're not the same thing. These teams don't live in those same universes. And if you don't have that veteran guy, you cannot operate as if you do. If you have, if you are, if you were the person being hired to go and work in this analytics firm, you would say, you are not giving me an opportunity to be the best, the, the best employee that I can be, not by a long shot. Now, if you were to take that employee, give him resources, technological resources, a computer, right, a whatever you might need in the situation, um, you know, and you said you can use this research space um, pretty much as much as you want, right? You know, as much as you, you really could realistically need. And you make the effort and investment into that, that employee, you let them grow over years and years and years, they start to be able to recognize patterns in ways that that young, brand new employee right out of college can't do, okay? Suddenly, they don't need to do as, not suddenly, but over time, they don't need to research as much, right? The technological assistance, it might not be as important to them. Some things they just know. Some things they don't maybe don't know off the top of their head, but they know they know how to go about solving the problem or researching that problem much more efficiently. They know where to start. They know where the where they can probably find uh, uh, an answer, and you know they come up with new analytics um, because they have a real idea of like where there's a lack of. Um, an, anal- an analytic algorithm uh, that's not been developed up to that point. They already know that, so they know what they're looking for. That's the difference between having a franchise quarterback and a young quarterback that you're trying to develop, right? So now that we've kind of really laid the groundwork for why it's so fundamentally different to have a young quarterback and a franchise quarterback, like an established one, especially a long-term established one, and why it makes no sense to return to the, the, the well of quarterback talent as if it's truly a numbers game when there's so much that goes into that. Everything you're, you, you, that you, you spend on getting another quarterback and try and hit that percentage number, that is a opportunity cost that you're just taking away from helping that player develop. And development is not linear in the NFL. And so we know that there are players who take significant leaps after one or two years of uh, 
of practice, you know, of repetition. I mean, a quarterback who's currently debatably in the top three or four at, at this moment, most people would have said that he was probably not going to pan out that way. And if, you know, if you put, let's say, Josh Allen and Sam Darnold on the same team, drafted the same year, probably neither of them is ever going to be good, right? Let's say the Jets or Bills got both. I don't think either of them would have been any good. You needed to make that commitment to that one individual who you really believe in. Or what if they say, you know, you say you drafted Josh Allen in 2018 and then in 2019 they went and got Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or whatever 2019 quarterback you, you want to point out. Instead of spending, you know, a first-round pick on a wide receiver to bring him in, instead of spending whatever draft pick they needed to get a player to assist him, you know, I don't remember exactly who they drafted in which round in, in those couple of years, the Bills, but the reps, the commitment of time, the players around them, that the developmental player, like you need all of that to work right if you even want to have a chance of developing a guy. And I and I'm I'm here to tell you that if you think that just grabbing a few guys is the answer to having a, the most likely outcome. I mean, in this case, it's just not, it's just not true. You cannot hope that one player is just going to magically be Patrick Mahomes in year two just because you, you happen to take a few different guys. You know, it just... There's, there's a real disconnect between what it actually means to, to have human resources and to develop them and to make them better at something, to make them great at something, and to, you know, look at statistical tendencies, right? I promise you, I'll promise you this, and you can take it however you want to. If... Every team that needed a quarterback started just drafting quarterbacks like crazy. The statistics on how many of them worked out would actually diminish quickly. Players like Josh Allen would never become anything. Players like, I don't know, name another guy who took a year or two to prove that he was a legitimate franchise quarterback. Okay? All of those players, like, they would not work out because they would lose the the addition of uh, uh, of pieces around them. They would lose the time, and they would lose the feeling that you you as an organization, you as an employer, had any belief in your ability to do a good job. Like, in this in this game, and in, honestly, in most of the world. If you need someone who's really good at something, you 
you need them to probably believe that you believe they can be good at it. I mean, we're not talking about working on an assembly line here, right? Like, this is a highly developed skill or or a set of skills. So, the last thing that I want to look at is if if we if based on what i'm talking about here we know fundamentally there is a difference in what a veteran quarterback can do with an allotment of resources and what a rookie quarterback can do with an allotment of resources and we know now that we're just robbing ourselves of those resources if we just are too flippant with drafting quarterbacks and not using those resources effectively what is an effective usage of resources? Like, what do we want to do to try and make sure that, that that one guy that we actually did draft turns out to be a good player? What? How do we give him the best opportunity to do that? Okay, and so when we when we realize that context is different for every single organization and every different franchise and every different roster where they are in their life cycle and what they already have versus what they need. We know that the easier you make a quarterback's life when they're a young player, the more likely they are going to be able to succeed for a few reasons. First of all, confidence. Now, say what you will about that. I absolutely believe it's a thing. I mean, I know it's a thing, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I believe it's a powerful thing. If you want to crush someone's confidence, yeah, watch them do a really great job at their, at their demanding workplace. Okay? So, and I'm not talking about babying somebody. I'm talking about not going out of your way to... to show them that they're just, you know, you're, they're just a, a, a number, that they're just a percentage, that they're just a probability. And then uh, the physical beating that a quarterback will take is the other way that you can rapidly diminish what that player can probably accomplish for you in the long run. How do you go about navigating where to allot your resources versus playmakers and protection for that quarterback? And I will tell you that, in my opinion, it depends on who's available. It depends on how how you can go about getting these players. And like, There's always fluctuations in the draft. There's always different talent levels at different positions at any given moment. But, yes, do we know that running the ball is inefficient in the NFL in the modern era, certainly in comparison to passing the ball? Yes, of course we know that. It's it's clear as day. You don't even need analytics to, to see that. But... 
Maximizing efficiency is what you do when you are trying to win games, get to the playoffs, and win championships. And I don't care what a team tells you in a press conference. I don't care what they say publicly about, we're always trying to win. This is always about winning. It's always about winning. It's not always about winning. There are different ways to assemble a roster, and one way, and it is the way that is going to lead to the most sustained, long-term success that you can have, the most consistent playoff appearances, which is the most consistent uh, uh, correlating statistic to the chance to appear in and win a Super Bowl, is repeated playoff appearances. And the way to get to that is to consistently draft with a large number of draft picks to develop your players and to develop a young quarterback into a franchise quarterback. So if that's what you're trying to do before the winning, before the getting to the playoffs, before the trying to win championships, you are trying to develop your quarterback. You're trying to develop an offense. You're trying to develop a situation around that player that is built to help that player grow. What I'm saying in all this is that it doesn't matter if it's inefficient for a little while. It doesn't matter. It's not the point of what you're doing to build a roster, okay? If you assemble an offensive line, you can justifiably take a running back relatively high, okay? If you're just taking a running back and you expect that to be useful to you if you haven't gotten the offensive line already, yes, we've seen it. The best running back in the league can run for two and a half yards of play and get tackled, okay? It, like it, it's not college like that's that's true that will happen but if you do invest in the offensive line you can take a running back high who can be less efficient but efficient enough to have a functioning offense and help that quarterback develop take pressure off less passes per game, less opportunities for turnovers per game, less opportunities to get hit per game while still having a functioning offense. You know, if you have a a, a long-term franchise quarterback, it doesn't make sense to draft a running back high. It's not what you need to have the most effective and efficient offense. I get that. If you uh, don't have a well-built and effective offensive line, it doesn't make sense to draft a running back early because you're you're not going to have an effective offense purely because of that running back. But if you've made investments at the offensive line, at receiver and you already have that quarterback that you're trying to develop, it absolutely makes sense to 
get that running back who offers you uh, uh, the ability to take over a game. And if you want to tell me that a running back can't take over a game, I will 100% disagree with you there. Yes, they have to have a good offensive line for that to be an option, but they're not dependent in the offensive line if they're an elite player to have an elite game. They're dependent on the offensive line to basically be ineffective or to be an elite player. Okay? So... Why not take an extra pass rusher in that situation? Why not take um, an extra corner? Why not take an extra defensive player that's in a premium value position? Ultimately, nothing matters as much as developing that quarterback. Nothing matters as much as getting that quarterback to that established franchise level because nothing correlates with sustained, consistent playoff appearances as much as an established, quality franchise quarterback. And nothing is, nothing correlates to winning championships, to being in the Super Bowl, to winning the Super Bowl. Nothing correlates to that as much as going to the playoffs consistently. So if we backtrack from getting to the Super Bowl, what's the most likely uh, 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 um, data point we have with that? Getting to the playoffs consistently. What's the number one way to get to the playoffs consistently? To have that established franchise quarterback. Okay, so as we back up to what we're trying to, to, to get from, well, we back up from what we're trying to get to and we realize what we need. And we realize that we are wasting assets to draft multiple quarterbacks in quick succession. That we are wasting assets if we go too heavily on the defense. And that it's it's the antithesis it's the antithesis of wasting resources to get a player that is going to do the best job to nurture that young, whether it be a rookie or second-year quarterback, as they transition into the grind that is the NFL. Now, yes, you need all that other stuff that I'm talking about. You need that offensive line. You need playmakers. You need a situation where that player is uh, going to be helped to develop when we're talking about coaching staff and we're talking about resources, right? So, like, if you're that analytics graduate, you go to this first job, yeah, like, you do need your information and technology. You do need uh, a place to effectively do research. You do need a support staff. You need guidance. You need all of that stuff. And so... I'm not saying put the cart before the horse, but what I am saying is that if you have put that stuff in place, it is a significant investment into that player developing into what you need him to be to 
hit those statistical correlations between consistent wins, consistent playoff appearances, and ultimately the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. So that's it. I mean, I know it was a little bit, a little bit long, still shorter than a lot of the stuff that I've been doing lately. If you disagree, you agree, you have any other questions, or you, you just like the video, just let me know. Um, you can like and subscribe here on the channel. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMagsDean. And if you want me to talk about another aspect of this, or you want me to contextualize it for a specific team, um, I, I just let me know, and, and I'll, I'll do my best to do that for you. And my goal here is not to defend every decision that the New York Jets made or anything like that. But what I am saying is that when you look at drafting a running back as a universally bad decision in a at a relatively high draft pick or trading up to get that you are probably fundamentally ignoring the context that every other pick that was made at that running back position was different in a myriad of different ways did they have an offensive line in place? Did they already have a franchise QB in place? Did they have playmakers in place? How much did they give up? You know, like, I understand the point that's being made. I really do understand the idea of using numerous data points to accumulate a general probability of of overall efficiency but that's just what it is it's a probability and I believe you'd have a hard time really finding a way to uh, apply all of the filters that you would need to really answer whether something's good or bad for a specific team and I think the best that you can do with it is is to recognize that even if it's a bad decision for a lot of teams, if it if it's genuinely helping that first, second, third year quarterback to become what you need him to be, it's probably not a bad decision, even if it's not the most maximized efficiency or the most maximum efficiently dis- is the most <laughs> is the most uh, properly utilized uh, form of efficiency in that decision you know you get what I'm saying so uh, that's just my thing and I, I like I will absolutely criticize teams that I personally believe are are putting the cart before the horse, are making decisions that are to the detriment of their own organization, I'll, I'll comment on it. I'll absolutely do it. Um, I just think that the narrative that's come out around this is is fans who are saying, who are largely relying on the idea that we have a good GM who makes good decisions. And the analytics community who are pretty much, you know, doubling down on the idea that, like, History tells us that it's a bad decision because 
all these teams that have drafted a quarterback high have have statistically come out to a low probability of, of efficiency. But it's just, I think there's, neither of those are really looking at what's, what can give you the closest thing to an answer on whether this was a good decision or not. Um, but yeah, if the, if you followed that, if you got that, let me know. And I appreciate it guys. And probably be doing the Steelers next week. Um, and I'll, I'll be doing a really deep dive, probably at least an hour show on just the Pittsburgh Steelers and do as many teams as I can as we go through, um, this quiet period and into training camp for all these teams. So let me know if you want me to do your team first, and I will see you all next week.